If anything is stealing, killing, or destroying in your life, in your children's lives, in your family's lives, in your nation, or in anything that affects you, you have authority over it. You are the boss of the devil. Hello and welcome to Faith Talks. I'm your host, Emily Preston, and in these podcasts, we will be discussing how to practically apply the principles found in the Word or how to be a doer of the word so that you can start seeing more of the manifestation of God's grace in every area of your life. Hello everybody, welcome back to Faith Talks, where we learn how to walk by faith through grace. Today is part three of my teaching, You're the Boss of the Devil, and we're talking about the believer's authority. So if you haven't listened to the first two parts of this message, of this teaching, I strongly encourage you to, because we started off by talking about why we need to know our authority. And we talked about where our authority comes from, when were we given authority? and when authority was lost and when we when it was restored to us and then I finished off last week by talking about some examples of people from the Bible who knew their authority who had a revelation of their authority and the quote that I finished last week off with uh, was from John A. McMillan in his book The Authority of the Believer and I'll just read that again to you because it's awesome he says a believer who is fully conscious of the divine divine power that is backing him up and therefore his own authority will face anything that is from the enemy without fear or hesitation. And so remember, it is not our power, our might, our ability that we are operating in. We are representatives of the authority that God has given to us. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We are co-sharers of the throne of authority that he holds, the position of authority that he holds. And he and I and we are far above all principalities, all power, all might, all dominion and every name that is named. So that is the position of authority that we hold and we represent. And so therefore, because all of those things are far below us under our feet, then we can face anything that is from the enemy, anything that tries to steal, kill and destroy from us without any fear, without any hesitation, because we know the divine power that is backing us up. Here in Australia, we have these birds called plovers, P-L-O-V-E-R. And I don't know if you have them elsewhere in the world, but these particular birds, they build their nests in fields. So you might get a large patch of grass or a large field or something, and they build their nests in the grass and they lay their eggs and hatch their their chicks in the grass. And so in the springtime, it's it's a common, you know, point of amusement, you know, because you'll be riding your bike or you'll be walking across the field and these plovers will dive bomb you. And they, they don't actually hit you, but they, they come pretty close and they can be pretty intimidating. And they are protecting their 
their chicks, they're protecting their eggs. And so, you know, to steer well clear of certain um, parks and certain fields because there's a plover there or a plover's nest. And one day I was taking a walk and I watched this um, scenario unfold in front of me and I saw this hawk, you know, and a hawk is a bird of prey. And it was trying to get to the nest of this plover. There was some chicks there. And I watched this hawk and it was, you know, doing its usual tactics of, you know, trying to swoop down and, and, and trying to land and, and, you know, kind of waddle over to this this plover's nest and you should have seen this plover it was going absolutely psycho at this hawk and it was screeching at it and flapping its wings and it was rushing at it and this hawk just kind of kept backing away backing away and and looking quite you know stunned at the fury and the ferocity of this plover and eventually the hawk kind of flapped its wings and took off in the air but the plover didn't stop there it took off after this hawk screeching at it flapping its wings and and just chased this hawk off and it was gone and you know God spoke to me through that and he said you know the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy he roams about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour but we have to say no way we have to realize that we have authority and that there is no way we are going to allow him to steal kill and destroy from us and this plover chased off this hawk that by the way was bigger than it it was tougher looking than it. It had, you know, longer talons than it. It had a more powerful beak and and everything than this plover. But this plover had the attitude of, you are not going to steal my kids. You are not going to steal my eggs. And it chased this thing off because it had full confidence that it was not going to allow this hawk to steal from it. And see, the enemy will sometimes try and convince us that things are big and scary and they're too big to overcome. But when we have a revelation of our authority, we will have the attitude of, I don't care what you throw at me. You are not going to steal my health. You are not going to steal my kids. You are not going to steal my peace. You are not going to steal my family, my finances. And it doesn't matter how big or how threatening something might look you are simply not going to let it because you know your authority so now I want to talk about how do we exercise our authority okay so we know that we have been given authority we know that authority has been restored to us we've learned about our position in Christ and our position that of authority that we now hold with Jesus but now how do we exercise our authority so again it's all very well to know that you have something but we have to be doers of the word we have to put into practice the things that we have and use the tools and the weapons that God has given us Okay, so now let's look at what God has given us so that we know how to operate and exercise our authority. Number one, the word of God. God has given us his word. God's word is his will. God's given us his word so that we can find out and know what his will is and we can enforce it. And the scripture I'd like to look at is 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 6. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 6 and in this verse it says for though we walk in the flesh we do not war 
after the flesh or according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of the five physical senses, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, now I'm going to stop there. We cannot fight spiritual battles with natural means. We cannot fight spiritual battles Battles against our health, battles against our finances, battles against our peace, our emotions, our children, our protection with natural means. Because it says that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And in another verse, it says that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Okay, so God has given us supernatural weapons with which to exercise and enforce our authority. So he's given us supernatural weapons so that even though we don't war according to the flesh, we can still win the battle because he's given us the weapons which are not carnal, not of the five physical senses, but they are still mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, Paul wrote this uh, scripture, this letter to the Corinthians in the days of the Roman occupation. And in those days, a Roman soldier took people prisoner and enforced the law on them at the point of a very sharp sword. That was the weapon that they used to use. And see, we fight spiritual battles with the sword of the spirit. We take our enemies prisoner and we enforce the law on our enemies through the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is our weapon against the enemy. Now, if you jump down to verse number six, okay, that verse goes on to say casting down imaginations and every high thing, but I don't want to focus on that today. I want to focus on verse six and it says, and having a readiness to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay, I'll read that again. And having a readiness. So first of all, it's talked about that we do not war after the flesh. We war after the spirit. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we have weapons that are mighty through God. And then verse six says, and having a readiness to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Being ready to punish all disobedience. What does that mean? disobedience to the word of God. We have to be ready to punish all disobedience that is in disobedience and rebellion against the will of God and the word of God. If something is rebelling against the will of God and we know it's the will of God because we've found it in the word, our job is to punish that disobedience, to bring it back into line with the word of God, with the sword of the spirit. And that's when our obedience to the word is completed. Why? What does it mean when it says when our obedience is fulfilled or completed? Because God has told us to take dominion, to have authority, to establish his will here on earth just as it is in heaven. So in other words, our obedience to the word or to the will of God is completed when we punish, when we vindicate, we avenge, we defend any violation of God's will. 
That is awesome. That's just like that plover chasing that hawk off. It was vindicating, avenging and defending its children, its heritage. Chase that that hawk off. It punished that hawk and said, you get out of here. And our obedience to the word is fulfilled when we punish all disobedience and bring anything that is not in line with his will into line to the word of God. That's so good. So sickness is disobedience to the word of God. And we punish that that disobedience and we bring it back into line with the word of God, with the sword of the spirit. And poverty is in direct disobedience to the word of God because God's word says that you will prosper in all that you put your hands. So you punish that disobedience and you bring it back into line with the will of God, with the word of God, by the word of God. You know, Jesus was a good example of this when he was tempted in the desert. When the thoughts and the suggestions came, he answered it with, it is written. When the thought came from the enemy, turn these stones into bread, he answered it with, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone. And he punished that disobedience with the word of God. And in doing so, he himself was being obedient to the word. I hope that makes sense. If something is out of line with the word of God, with the law, we have delegated authority to bring it back into line with the word of God. And again, this this goes back to what we were just talking about. We punish all disobedience. We punish all lawbreakers. We punish all criminal acts with the word of God, with the authority that God has given us. And the awesome thing is that once we know our authority, We will never again beg God for anything because we will know that we are his law enforcement officers and we are here to establish the law and enforce the law in this earth. If you look at Matthew 6 verse 9 to 13, this is a very famous passage of scripture. It's the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus reinforced this point when he was teaching the disciples how to pray. He was giving us the formula for all prayer in this passage. Now, this passage is so often read, so often quoted without the context that it's actually written in. And that's why I want to bring this up today, because there is a hidden meaning in this this Lord's Prayer, which gives it a whole different meaning. So I want to show you what that is today. In this passage here, in verse number nine, Jesus is, again, he's teaching us the formula for all prayer. And he's saying, this is the way you should pray. Or in other words, every time you pray about something, this is how it should go. Okay, so follow along. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Okay, stop there. This is not a begging prayer. Okay, it's not saying, oh, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, Lord, if it's your will, please make it happen. This is not a passive begging prayer. First of all, what is in God's kingdom? When we say God's kingdom come, your kingdom come, what does that mean? What's in God's kingdom? Divine health is in his kingdom prosperity, joy, divine protection, perfect peace, peace in your relationships, nothing missing, nothing broken, 
your children walking with the Lord and in perfect health. That is what is in God's kingdom. That is what the kingdom of God contains. Okay, so we're praying. Remember, we are to pray your kingdom come. Okay, and and it says your will be done. What is God's will? God's will is his word. Every promise that you can find in the word of God is God's will for you. God does not have a will for you that is apart from his word. He doesn't have his word and then a whole separate will. His word is his will. So if you want to find out what God's will is for you, you go to his word. But I promise you the entire will of God for you is that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And that's from 3 John 2. So that's a summary of God's will for you. But you will find promises from God throughout the word of God that are specific to every single need that you could face in your life. That is God's will for you. His will for you is a life that is abundant, full and overflowing. But... God's will does not automatically come to pass. And that is why he tells us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Why does his will not automatically come to pass? Because there is a thief that comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And again, that's why God needs us to walk in our authority and establish his will here on the earth, which is why Jesus told us to pray this way every time. Now, let's look at the next part of this verse. This is really, really important. He says to pray, God's kingdom come. Now, the way that this prayer is usually prayed is, Oh Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. However, if you look at the, the, the meanings of these words, the word come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The word come is the word ekomai. It's a Greek word, ekomai, which means to come in the imperative sense. Now, imperative simply means an authoritative command. Isn't that awesome? So when we say God's kingdom come, we are giving an authoritative command. And that word be done is the word, the Greek word gnomai, which means come into being, become, come about or happen. Okay, so contrary to the way that this prayer is usually prayed, this is how we are to pray the Lord's Prayer. O Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. God's kingdom come. God's will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. In other words, healing come. Healing be done. Peace come. Peace be done. Whatever is contained in God's kingdom, come. Whatever is contained in God's kingdom, be done on this earth just as it is in heaven. And Jesus says we are to pray this way every time. 
And this is one of the ways that we are to exercise our authority. That is so, so good, isn't it? And see, that's why we have to rightly divide the, the word of truth, guys, because God's word does not contradict itself. Every single word that is in the word of God backs up the principles that are found in the word. So he's not going to say to pray a begging, pleading prayer in one part of the Bible and then to use your authority in another part of the Bible. We have to be students of the word and we have to rightly divide the word of truth. And so we won't be able to enforce God's will here on the earth unless we know what his will is. And that's why he's given us his word. His word is his will. We can't establish his will unless we know what his will is. And we have to go to the word, find out what the word says, find out what his will is, find out what the rules are. (laughs) so that we will know when they're being broken and then we can establish and enforce God's will in this earth when we know that it is being broken. When we know what belongs to us, we won't let anything steal it from us. And I'll give you a really good example of this. I love this example I heard recently and that was Elijah. Elijah, the prophet Elijah, was a man who was just like us He had the anointing of a prophet, but that doesn't matter because we all are anointed. And he enforced the will of God when he declared that it would not rain over the land of Israel for three and a half years. I'm not sure if you are familiar with that story, but he he declared that it will not rain over the land of Israel for three and a half years. And he controlled the rainfall over the land of Israel for three and a half years. Now, how how could he do that? Okay, how could Elijah say that and it happen? Because he knew what the word of God said. He knew the law that had been handed down from Moses. And in Deuteronomy 11, verse 16 to 17, before they entered into the promised land, Moses warned the children of Israel that they were not to turn aside and worship other gods. He warned them that if they did, the heavens would be shut up and there would be no rain. And Elijah knew that this was the law of God. He knew the word and on the authority of God's word, he shut the heavens so that there would be no rain because Israel had turned aside and worshipped other gods. So he had the full authority of the word, the full backing of the word of God to order the rain to stop over the land of Israel because they had turned aside and worshipped other gods. But when they turned back to God, he was then able to release that rain over the land once again. Okay, because that was the condition. Once they turned back to God and started worshipping God again, then the heavens would again open and there would be rain in their land. And this was an old covenant man. He was an old covenant man. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. He didn't have um, the authority that we have. He didn't have the name of Jesus. He only had the anointing and the word that God had given him. And But we are under a new covenant with better promises and we have the written word of God. We have the Holy Spirit and we have the name of Jesus and we have authority permanently restored to us. And God's given us his word, which is his will, so that we can enforce his will in the earth. Now, how do we enforce his will? So we have the word of God, which is the will of God, but how do we enforce it? 
We enforce it by speaking it, by declaring it. And I want to look at Romans 10 verse 6 to to illustrate this. The way we enforce God's will, the way we enforce and, and establish his word is by speaking or declaring it. So Romans 10 verse 6 says that the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way. Okay, so stop there. Notice that we are the righteous and we live by faith. So this is the way we should speak. So we should be paying very close attention to the next part of this verse because this is how we should be speaking. First of all, it starts off by telling us what we shouldn't say. It says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Okay, in other words, Jesus is not going to come down from heaven and sort out our problems. <laughs> he's going to give us the wisdom. He's going to point us to his word, but he's not going to come down from heaven and sort out our problems. We cannot say who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. And we cannot say who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. And that means Jesus is not going to die all over again for our sin, for our healing, for our prosperity, for our deliverance, for our salvation, because it is a done deal. He is not going to go down into the abyss and come up from the dead again, because salvation is a finished work. So the righteousness, which is a faith, does not say, oh Lord, come down and sort my problems out. And it does not say, oh Lord, please heal me, please deliver me, please save my family, because that would mean he'd have to die all over again. But what does it say? What does the righteousness, which is of faith, say? It says the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. God has given us his word. The word in our mouth and in our heart is the only thing we need to establish his will here on the earth. The word is near us for healing. It is near us for peace. It is near us for abundance. Where does it need to be? In our hearts and in our mouth. And verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or if you confess the word, because Jesus, God, and his word are one, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, or believe in the finished works of Jesus, and that salvation is a finished work, you will be saved. And verse 10 says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That word salvation is the Greek word sozo, which means nothing missing and nothing broken. So we believe the word and we make confession with our mouth of the word to receive salvation. And we have the word near us for it. We have the written promises of God. We have Jesus on paper we are basically doing the same thing that Jesus would do if he was here in the flesh. If he was here in the flesh, he would do the same thing that he's instructed us to do, which is to put the word in our mouth and confess it. And when we do that, we are establishing salvation or sozo in our life and on the earth. That's awesome. 
And that leads me into the next way that we exercise our authority. So we exercise our authority with the word of God by by putting it in our heart and in our mouth and speaking it. And that is how we demand that God's kingdom come and his will be done in this earth as it is in heaven by speaking the word of God, by speaking it and saying and calling it done. And so now let's look at Matthew 16, verse 19. Number two, the way that we exercise our authority is that we permit and we prohibit. We permit and we prohibit. So again, Matthew 16, verse 19, we're going to have a look at this scripture to find out what that means. In this passage, Peter had just had a revelation that Jesus was the Christ or the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered Peter and said that on this rock or on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. Okay. And then he goes on to say in verse 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now there's a colon right after that sentence, which indicates that the next part of the verse is going to define what the keys to the kingdom are. And it says, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, so let's just dissect this a little bit. What are the keys to the kingdom of heaven? A key symbolizes authority or power. Whoever holds the key holds the authority to open or close what is locked. Okay, so the keys to the kingdom of heaven, okay, have been given to us. We have the authority to open and close what is contained in the kingdom of heaven. And how do we do that? Whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So the word bind is the Greek word deo, which means to declare as prohibited and unlawful. Okay, and then whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That word loose is the Greek word luo, which means to release what has been held back, to destroy or put an end to. So what Jesus is saying is that whatever we bind or whatever we declare as prohibited and unlawful on earth shall be declared prohibited and unlawful in heaven or God will add his agreement to ours and deploy the resources of heaven to back us up. And whatever we release, whatever we loose, destroy, put an end to, shall be released, destroyed and have an end put to it in heaven or God will add his agreement to ours and deploy all of the forces of heaven to back us up. And this is the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That is so, so good. If you've ever seen any movie set in wartime, you'll have seen uh, maybe scenes where the officers in the military, they, you know, they phone through to headquarters and they say, the enemy is advancing through the east side of the country, send air support. Now, the general of the army or of the military does not come down to the battlefield and give orders to the men on the ground. He delegates authority to his officers to make decisions, and he supplies all of the resources needed to back that decision up. 
whether it's you know tanks or planes or weapons or ammunition whatever is needed he he supplies the resources but it's up to the officers on the ground to make the decisions and to tell him what's needed so when the officer radios through and says send air support the general gives the order for air support to be deployed to back that decision up even though he is not physically there on the battlefield himself and see god has delegated authority to us we are again the law enforcement officers here on the earth we are responsible for overseeing what's going on here in the earth in our own lives and binding and loosing as necessary prohibiting and declaring unlawful or releasing and putting an end to whatever is going on here on earth as necessary and god will back us up with all of the resources of heaven based on those decisions he will command angels to intervene he will cause divine appointments and divine connections to happen he has already released his anointing for healing prosperity and all of those kind of things through the finished works of jesus he will deploy all of the resources of heaven that is unnecessary to back up the decisions that we make however he needs us to do the binding and the loosing first and then he can back us up. I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, it was late one night and I walked outside. I heard this commotion going on outside and I walked outside and I could see two men fighting uh, on the other side of the street. And these guys were going to kill each other. The cursing, the fury, the ferocity of what they were doing. I just knew that this was a really potentially horrible situation and they were fighting. They had their hands around each other's throats and they were scuffling. And, and you know, I just thought to myself, this is an opportunity for me to exercise my authority. And in fact, I had literally just been studying this topic out. So I was, you know, it was right in my face right at that moment. And so I just said, I didn't scream or yell or go over there and lay hands on them. I just said, I spoke to that spirit. I said, you demonic spirit of violence, I bind you in Jesus' name. You get out of here right now. You leave those men now in Jesus' name. And you know what? It did. <laughs> and the men, they dropped their hands and like it, like immediately. It didn't take five more minutes, ten more minutes. They stopped fighting and they, they turned around and they yelled a few curse words at each other over their shoulders as they walked away, but they walked away and that was the end of it. And see, notice that I had to make the first move. God knew what was going to happen. He could see those men fighting, but he could not intervene. As the head, he knew what needed to take place, but he needed his body. He needed me. He needed someone on the ground to exercise and operate and walk in their authority in that situation so that he could deploy the resources of heaven to back up my decision. Now, I don't know what happened in the supernatural and I don't need to know. All we need to know is that when we speak, we expect things to be carried out. And notice that I had to make the first move. I had to use my authority. And there were results in the natural, even though I don't know what happened in the supernatural. 
So notice again that scripture says we bind first and then we then it is bound in heaven and we loose first and then it is loosed in heaven. And this is why the gates of hell shall not be able to prevail against the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, the body of Christ, when they use the keys of the kingdom of heaven, when they declare as unlawful and prohibited, when they bind and they loose, when they use the authority that God has given them. The church, us, the body of Christ, is responsible for binding and loosing everything in this earth that is stealing, killing or destroying in our government, in our education system, in our churches, in our economy, in the media, the arts and the entertainment industries, in our families and in our own lives. We are responsible and no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper when we condemn every tongue that rises against us in judgment and God will say yes and everything that is needed in the supernatural and the natural will be deployed to back up our commands that is awesome so first of all God's given us his word to exercise his authority and then he's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven he's told us to prohibit and to permit as necessary and we're going to continue on with the next tool that God's given us to exercise our authority next week so come back and listen next week for the continuation of this lesson in the meantime be a doer of the word and not a forgetful hearer only and you will be blessed in everything you do. God bless you. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Faith Talks. If you have any questions related to today's or any of my previous episodes, if you have a testimony you would like to share or for a free copy of Confessions for Life, please email me at questions at faithtalks.com.au. For episode announcements and regular encouragement, you can now find Faith Talks with Emily Preston on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from today's or any of my previous teachings, please share this podcast with them and help them receive revelation of the truth that will make them free. Until next time, know that I am praying for you and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you.